we have with us uh, today Dr. Uh, uh, Paula Olszewski Kubilius, Director of Center of Talent Development at Northwestern University. Uh, Paula, it's great to be uh, with you uh, here today at the NAGC convention. My pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's great to see you. You've been always uh, uh, so warm and uh, even though you are a highly respected academic and uh, you've done a lot of research in this area, I've always found that you connect to people so warmly, so it's great, great oh, to be here you. with you. thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Paula, um, uh, gifted education in India is uh, not uh, very much uh, known, there's not very much awareness about it. And you've been in this field for uh, nearly four decades and done a lot of work, uh, not just research-wise, but also managing and delivering uh, programs on the ground, whether it's for students, whether it's for teachers, professional development, and so on. So we have a lot of questions for you, and I'm sure our uh, parents and uh, teachers in India would be very keen to hear your, hear your views. Uh, but just uh, let's kick this off by you telling us briefly about how you got into the space in the first place. Oh, that's a good story. Um, so when I finished, I, I did my doctorate in actually early childhood development at Northwestern and with an emphasis on cognition and language acquisition and, and play. My dissertation was on play, symbolic oh. play. And when I graduated, I could not find a job. Okay. So at that time, Joyce Van Tazzlebaska came to Northwestern at the invitation of our dean to start what was then called the Midwest Talent Search Project. And um, she needed some help, and I needed a job. And so I started working for Joyce, and Joyce very quickly, over the next two years, um, renamed the project the Center for Talent Development, and she hired me to work with her. And she was at that time, uh, and still is, uh, a very prominent leader in the field. And so I became very interested in gifted education. I think I became interested because it was like learning about myself. Because I had always been this very studious girl. And, um, and as I was reading the literature, I found that I had a lot to relate to. So I just got intrigued by it. And she was a very good mentor. She knew a lot of people in the field she could introduce me to. I got to speak with people like Jim Gallagher and John Feldhusen, and it was just a wonderful experience. So I never looked back. I never looked back. I, I didn't pursue anything in early childhood. My early childhood training has definitely helped me think about programming for little kids, bright little kids. Um, but I fell in love with the field, and. Um, and just have pursued it ever since. And what I loved about the center was that I was uh, able to do to wear two hats. One was, as you said, I was I'm a scholar, so I like to do the research, to write, to think about issues in the field. But then my job was really to apply that mm. into mm. creating programs that would help children. And that, to me, is the best of both worlds. It's, it's the best job, is to not just 
you know, do the research and consume it, but actually get to enact it and then learn from that enactment. Okay. okay. So your research itself has perhaps been influenced by this role you've had to play in uh, getting these programs to children. Definitely, and in the, in the early part of my career at the center, when we were creating programs, it was always with an eye to what does the research tell us we should do, we should be doing. And that's why, for example, we used the um, above grade level testing mm -hmm. because um, that um, way of identifying children who needed advanced programming was well supported by research. Mm -hmm. So we took that testing model and used it to craft programs around mm -hmm. that were um, accelerative in nature for children. So, um, and, then, and then as we implemented those programs, you know, I learned much more about the kids' needs mm -hmm. and uh, particularly their social emotional needs as we mm -hmm. interacted with them. And then that influenced the program design. Mm -hmm. So it was an iterative process, you know, mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't just us doing the programming, we were constantly revising it and learning from it. So you said that when you first uh, looked at this gifted education and talent search uh, literature, uh, you could relate to it as an individual. Mm -hmm. So were you yourself identified as gifted? Uh... So um, interestingly, when I, I went to Catholic schools in mm -hmm. the U.S. and they didn't have any kind of gifted mm -hmm. programming. Mm -hmm. um, my, I remember as a kindergartner mm -hmm. taking IQ tests. Ah. Um, they gave every kindergartner an IQ okay. test, and they told my mother, um, which she didn't tell me until I was an adult, mm. that I had scored high on the test. But what I did know about myself was that I was very intellectually curious. It mattered to me how I did in school. Mm. I loved learning, mm -hmm. and um, and I knew that it was that in many respects that made me feel different from other girls. Hmm. Particularly, mm -hmm. we, I went to school in the 60s. Okay. So in that time period, okay. to be an intellectually hmm. curious girl was, you know, not, was going against the culture, okay. kind okay. of. So, um, so you were not really fitting in if you were an intellectually curious yeah, girl. Yeah, right. And then as I got to, um, mm -hmm to um, high school, that got better because there mm. were more opportunities, mm. um, but I always felt a little bit like a fish out of water. Mm. You know? So why did your mother not tell you till you graduated college? Because I have a twin brother. Ah. And um, she didn't want me to, she didn't want to cause any you know, issues okay. between my brother okay. and I, or, okay. and I came from a large family of five children, or okay. between the other, okay. the other kids. But do you think uh, not knowing that uh, you had this precocity was an issue for you? No, because no. I knew in my heart okay. that I was okay. a bright okay. girl. Okay. I knew that I learned okay. quickly okay. and so I didn't need the test score. Okay. Um, and I don't think my parents really understood. It was interesting, my parents' attitude with the children was that everybody the same opportunities, okay. uh, which is very interesting. So for example, I got accepted into Northwestern for undergraduate education, but couldn't go because my parents felt 
it would be paying more for me than it was for the other oh, children. Okay. So okay. that was kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was their value system. That was their value system, right. So you individually did not get affected because somewhere you knew uh, where you were. Mm -hmm. But do you see in your experience that some children get affected because they do not have this uh, information? I do. I, I really think that for some kids, and particularly in my experience, when I've worked with children who come from um, less advantaged circumstances, um, oftentimes that test score um, validates something that they're not sure about. Mm -hmm. And it's, it could be important for a child because it raises their expectations of themselves. Mm -hmm. it, it, gives, it, it raises their self-esteem, mm -hmm. it gives them more confidence, and it also affects their parents. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes their parents don't know Hmm. It validates, or they don't know, or it validates what they suspect. Hmm. And hmm. then it um, helps them advocate better for them at school, for that child hmm. at school. Hmm. Hmm. So um, I think that information can be helpful to parents, knowing um, okay. what their child, where their okay. child is at. Okay. And is there a lot more knowledge available now in 2019 as compared to when you were growing up that if a child gets identified as gifted there's a lot more a parent or teachers can do? Um, I think there's, yes, I think there's definitely more and mm. um, I think we know that um, first of all that that ability doesn't, if you have it, it still needs to be nurtured. Mm. I mean if you want mm. to turn that ability into achievement in some domain mm. that takes work it takes mm. input it takes mm. opportunity mm. so it's not enough to have the high IQ score mm. um, and it takes motivation on the part of the student you know mm. they have to put in the effort mm. to study and practice so um, so I think mm. it's um, we, we know more mm. we don't often do enough though mm. that's mm. still the problem mm. Um, mm. I would say that we still um, we still have the, the perception that those kids are blessed mm -hmm. to have this high ability and they'll be just fine mm -hmm. and they don't need anything special. Mm -hmm. What we forget is that, mm -hmm. um, you know, becoming a gifted in some field in an adult mm -hmm. is a process that takes mm -hmm. place over time mm -hmm. and needs a lot of inputs in the mm -hmm. form mm -hmm. of, you know, appropriate programming and support from mm -hmm. adults and mm -hmm. encouragement mm -hmm. from teachers and acknowledgement by parents. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think we mm -hmm. do a lot, we do know more. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's a gap between what we know mm -hmm. and what we're currently doing. Um, so this is quite interesting. In fact, uh, in India, sometimes gifted is seen as a bad word. Uh, we have a culture of humility. Uh, maybe we're not that humble on the inside, but we don't like to say that uh, our child is really gifted or something like that. So my question to you is this gap between what we know and what we are doing. Is it an issue with teacher education, teachers not knowing enough? Is that more of it or is it a larger uh, value system in society, what is really at play I here? think it is a, a larger issue value okay. system because okay. in the U.S. too, like you can you can brag that your mm. child is a wonderful basketball mm. player or a wonderful mm -hmm, mm -hmm, musician, mm -hmm. but you can't brag. Okay. It's not okay. socially acceptable mm. to brag that your child is, you know, very bright. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, so we accept 
that mm. there are individual differences in mm. talent and ability in many other fields, but not academically. So there, there is a cultural issue, okay. um, I think. Okay. And unfortunately, because we want, out of good motivations, we want to provide opportunity for all, but sometimes mm. that gets translated into the same opportunity for mm. all, which mm. is not necessarily a good fit okay. for all kids. That's okay. the problem. Mm. You know, the, mm. the issue is, what do kids need? And not everybody needs the same. It's not mm -hmm. one size fits all, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So it is as important at the higher uh, level of the curve to have something tailored to the child as it is, say, at the lower level of the curve. And, right, we, we assume yeah. that, um, that kids, so motivation is a big part okay. of this process, okay. right? We, and we want kids to be motivated. Mm. If you are going to get to mm. a high level in any field, it mm. takes a lot of motivation mm. because you have mm. to put in the time and energy to mm. study or practice or, mm -hmm. you know, and learn. Well, motivation can be cultivated. Mm. And kids who are in classes where they're mm. bored out of mm. their minds, they're mm. not learning anything, mm. their motivation is not being cultivated. Mm. So it's not... Um, you know, just an extra thing. Hmm. If we can provide it for gifted kids, that's great. Hmm. It's a necessary thing hmm. because it cultivates motivation. It also cultivates other skills. So for example, if you have a kid who's in a class hmm. and they can do the work so easily that they never have to put forth hmm. effort, hmm. that is not a good thing. Because what hmm. the kid learns is hmm. being smart means hmm. I never have to work hard. Or, and then when the work does get hard, mm. and eventually it does, right, mm. for everybody, they don't know what to do. They don't know what yeah. to do, yeah. and instead of digging in yeah. and putting forth more effort, they might turn away yeah. from their yeah. skills and yeah. abilities, yeah. and that's lost talent. Yeah. So if we provide the right level of challenge for mm. kids, it cultivates lots of skills like, mm. um, you know, having to study, mm -hmm. having to learn how to study, mm -hmm. having to accept failure, mm -hmm. having to focus on deliberately mm -hmm. striving for improvement. Mm -hmm. Those are all important skills that mm -hmm. kid, we want kids to learn. But if you're in a classroom mm -hmm. where you're never challenged, mm -hmm. um, you're at risk for never really learning the things you mm. need to, mm. to, to learn or acquiring the skills mm. in order to, to really reach mm. and fully develop your potential. No, I can relate completely to this. Uh, I did not take an IQ test, but I always did very well in school. I used to come first in my class most of the time. I stood 11th in my state in the 10th grade examination. And uh, I was actually quite a lazy kid. So mm -hmm. I would work very little. I would not study the day before the exam. I would uh, just remember things mm -hmm. and I would do uh, quite well uh, in spite of uh, working much less harder than my peers. And nobody ever challenged me. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever challenged me. They should, uh, in hindsight, they should have been giving me projects which were far above my level. In fact, uh, then when things got hard for me, in 11th grade, I went to a school where there were uh, uh, high performers yes. from uh, mm -hmm. different schools and uh, I was struggling with uh, you know now calculus and yes. uh, the other high-level physics and I thought I was not so smart I didn't realize that the other kids are working harder than me 
Yes. Right. I was almost 30 years old before I realized uh, that ability is a function of effort and uh, developing uh, certain habits. So I can uh, completely relate to this. So we look at people who are yeah. real successful, who, who you know, create yeah. great products like Steve Jobs. We think, oh, they're just so much smarter than yeah. the rest yeah. of us. Yeah. But if you look at them, if you look at um, you look at um, Bill Gates. Yeah, they yeah. just put in a lot more time and energy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not diminishing the role of ability because yeah. I think it's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. But it, the other part of the equation is, um, you know, effort and practice, and um, and so we want. We want to, to make sure kids learn that and acquire it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. do it before they get to adulthood, you yeah. know? Yeah, because it's much harder later to, uh, yes. yeah. Uh, and, and, and if you hit the wall because you go to a school where now you're in, uh, you know, a pond, hmm. so to speak, with a yeah. lot of high performers, yeah. Yeah. you know, it could go the other way. You could yeah. say, I don't belong here, I'm yeah. gonna quit. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who went into uh, clinical depression, they're very bright people, but at one, some stage they realize that they're not going to you know, get the Nobel Prize right. or something. So I, I get what you're saying. So what I hear you saying is that, uh, so both aspects are important. One is to recognize uh, raw ability and the other to uh, develop it. And uh, not having this recognition and not having the support to develop these abilities uh, seems to go the negative seems to be far more than just lost potential. It could be other kinds of things. You may sort of uh, get withdrawn perhaps, or uh, there may be other kinds of issues. So is it just about lost potential or is it? No, because uh, I think people, um, I think um, people can have, it can, it can affect people, um, their mental health. Yeah, you know, because yeah. if you are frustrated mm -hmm. that you see your peers Hmm. getting ahead or getting or accomplishing mm -hmm. their goals or doing what you wanted to do and you can't do it, hmm. you know, it can cause, um, it can cause your, your self-esteem to decline. And I mean, it could be mental health issues. So, hmm. um, and, and just, you know, uh, unhappiness. So I think um, hmm. Hmm. it's more than just, uh, I mean, people can be stuck in jobs that hmm. are very unfulfilling, hmm. 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 Um, which can, a lifetime of pain okay. you know, in many okay. respects okay. so okay. it's important yeah yeah so i'm going to um, uh, request some technical inputs from you now okay uh, there are parents who come to us there are teachers who come and sometimes there are uh, uh, differences of op opinion on what giftedness means mm -hmm. uh, so if you could help us uh, with a working definition of giftedness it may not uh, necessarily pass muster in uh, terms of uh, an academic thing, but what is a working definition of giftedness that parents and teachers can work with? So, for me, um, and, and, and you know, because you've yeah, read yeah. in this field, there's differences of opinion, but for me, giftedness is the potential hmm. for future achievement. Um, and it can be demonstrated in high test scores mm. or high school achievement. But it, I would rather think of it not as, um, as um, a personal quality, but as something that you develop, not as a trait, but as something you develop over time. Mm. Mm. Um, so I, I think it behooves parents to view their child 
as having the potential for future achievement, but also that that's, uh, in order to, to get there, it's a process um, of developing that potential through opportunities, through their parenting, through the messages and values that they convey. Um, and so um, it's constantly changing. Mm -hmm. uh, the goal for parents, I think, is to recognize their child's abilities in different areas. And by the way, um, that children can be gifted in mathematics and not an and, and average in maybe their verbal reasoning. Mm, so mm, the mm. other thing I would say about giftedness is that sometimes with young children it manifests mostly as like being learning quickly. Mm, mm. Everything comes quickly. Mm, mm. But over time, mm. kids learn different subjects. They take mm. math, they take mm. um, reading and language mm. arts. And we see that they their their abilities kind of differentiate, mm -hmm. and along with their interests, they may be more interested in the um, science and math areas, or they may be more interested in in fields that emphasize mm -hmm. verbal reasoning, like history mm -hmm. or the social sciences. Mm -hmm. And so, parents can expect that over time, their child's going to kind of specialize. Mm. Um, for some kids, that might be super early. Like, we know that with mathematical ability okay. and mathematical talent, you can see it okay. in little kids. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean it can't show up later, and, okay. and it doesn't have to be super early, but you okay. can see it early. Mm -hmm. But interest in STEM, like mathematics mm -hmm. and science, generally mm -hmm. becomes apparent, or can become apparent by middle school years, so okay. by 12, 13. Mm -hmm. But interest in other fields, like psychology, might not mm -hmm. come about until um, high school or college, secondary school or, or college. Okay. So it's a process of matching ability and, and domain-specific abilities with interests. So this is very interesting. So you're saying that the uh, child is an evolving self. Yes. Uh, certain things may be evident very early, maybe very early reading or precocious math skills, uh, sometimes maybe a little later, but maybe some of the softer disciplines, uh, it may be in high school or even in college. Yes. Yet uh, people are taking decisions important decisions maybe by 14, 15, 16. So what is the best way uh, for a parent or a child to navigate this process maybe say from the age of 10, 11, 12 down to 17, 18 because the investments are very high right. in higher education. Right. So you get into something and then two years later and $200,000 later you realize that psychology is your thing or right. something. So. Well, so there's a couple things. One can um, so um, the, the above grade level testing can be helpful, especially okay. in middle school, okay. because it can, so, so on, uh, on grade level testing, a child can score really high on everything. Mm -hmm. But if you use above grade level testing, there's where you might see relative strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So you may see a child, and often we see much higher math reasoning scores than verbal reasoning scores, or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So that gives you a clue about where to direct a kid mm -hmm. in careers that emphasize math mm -hmm. or science. Also pay attention to interest. Mm -hmm. What do they do 
what do they like in school, mm. but more importantly, what do they do outside of school? Mm. There's research that shows that kids' interests, mm. what they do outside of school, is a good predictor of what career fields they're going to okay. pursue. So if your child likes science, watches it on TV, looks at stuff on the internet, you know, um, reads books, that might give you a clue. Mm -hmm. If your child likes history, Hmm. or if your child likes languages, hmm. perhaps. Hmm. So um, for, for parents, it can be um, trying to be that observer. The other thing I would say to parents hmm. is, sometimes kids are not that engaged in school learning, hmm. and so hmm. it's hard to get a sense of their interests from school. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they do well in every subject, hmm. you know, so hmm. Hmm. you don't know what's yeah, really yeah, yeah, um, yeah, fueling yeah. their soul. Yeah. So I would say to parents, if at all possible, let your child go to outside of school programming. Okay. Because okay. there, they choose something they're hmm. interested hmm. in, and let hmm. them choose something they hmm. want to study. Maybe they change their mind after that one experience, mm, mm, but mm. at least it gives them a clue mm. about, you know, what their interests are and maybe what they want to pursue and what they're good at. Okay. You know, what okay. they're good at. So there's a larger uh, uh, buffet, so to speak, yeah. which they can taste. So what I hear you saying is finding what you're good at, what you want to do, is not just a matter of, say, good aptitude testing, one above level test or something. It's a combination of uh, testing for aptitude, uh, looking at your interests, and even uh, giving you an opportunity to explore interests by uh, engaging with different types of tasks and learning experiences. So let me give you a good, a good yeah. example. Yeah. So my daughter um, thought she wanted to be a journalist. <clears throat> And in high school, she did well in English and language arts, mm, mm. Um, and she was a good writer. Mm, and mm. so she got involved in the extracurricular activity of the mm. yearbook. Mm, 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 and she was the editor of the yearbook. So that's why she, she applied to Northwestern, and she mm, has a very good journalism school, mm, and she mm. got into journalism. Mm. I knew mm. this was not going to be her field. Mm, 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 mm. At the same time, she had taken um, mm, mm. a psychology course in mm. high school, and she really liked it. Mm. But she pursued, she got into okay. the school okay. in journalism. After one year, she changed because it was not a good fit. Because mm. what you have to do as a journalist is go and put a microphone in someone's mm -hmm, face and mm -hmm. ask them questions. Mm. And she was a, sh a shy girl mm -hmm, who, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so she transferred into psychology and she became a school psychologist. Okay. So, so okay. you know, mm -hmm. and she got intrigued by this psychology course she took mm. in high school. Mm. So it's that kind of process. Parents need to expect, I will say, parents yeah. need to accept kids waffling and kind yeah, of going bad. Yeah. It is a natural yeah. thing. It's very difficult to figure out your path. Yeah. And oftentimes exposure in, at the college level is what cements a particular mm. So if I, yeah, yeah. So if I understand you correctly, on one hand, we must do our best to show the mirror by sending them to say out of school programs or mm -hmm. Uh, getting them tested and so on. Uh, we may even be fairly sure, like you were, that psychology is her thing. Yet we must allow them to find their own path, yeah. even if it means slipping back a couple of years or so on, because in the long run, that's, it's their path. Right. Yeah, and and yeah. the other issue is yeah, yeah. Um, their personality. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. what they... So, um, 
you know, if in a field that requires you to be outspoken or aggressive yeah, yeah. is not necessarily going to be a fit for an introverted, yeah, shot, yeah, yeah, more shy yeah, yeah. child. And so that's the other thing that parents can help is they know their child best and they mm. know their personality. Mm, and mm. Um, if they see their child going into a, has an interest in a particular career, if they can, if they can connect them with someone who does that, mm -hmm. even if it's like a family friend, Mm. and let that student talk to that person or job shadow them. Mm -hmm. They can get an idea of whether that's a good fit to them, mm. not just their interests, mm. but their personality. Okay. Um, so I have one more uh, slightly technical question about gifted identification before we come back to what parents can do and how CTD uh, could help them. Um, so some people have spoken about, say, fluid reasoning versus crystallized uh, right. knowledge, right. Yeah? crystallized intelligence. So when you talk about above level testing, do you think uh, it's important to test for both or one of these more than the other? So um, I think it's, a, it's really de a, deve a developmental issue. I think okay. that, um, so the research, research shows mm. that um, that having a high level of fluid reasoning, which is, mm -hmm. you know, like being mm -hmm. able to learn new material fast mm -hmm. and so on, is always an asset. Mm -hmm. even, in, in a, even in a field like music mm -hmm. and even in areas like sport, okay. higher fluid yeah, reasoning yeah, yeah. is, is, a, is yeah. an asset. Yeah. Um, but of course, you just have to learn stuff, mm. a lot of stuff, in order to be an expert in a field. Mm -hmm. So with kids, um, I would say that, um, uh, you know, we need to pay attention to both. Mm -hmm. So for a child who has a lot of crystallized knowledge, mm -hmm. if it's above grade level, it's a beyond what you would expect mm -hmm. for their age, the only way they got it is by having high fluid reasoning. Mm -hmm. So they mm -hmm. kind of go together. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you can, if, in my way mm -hmm. of thinking that if mm -hmm. you were identifying giftedness, mm -hmm. I would pay attention to both fluid reasoning and high achievement. Okay, okay. Either or is what okay. I'm saying, okay. either or. Oh, if one I'm, of them is strong, then you would sort of, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, mm. uh, and, 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 and as kids get older, mm -hmm. um, I would actually emphasize demonstrated achievement more mm. than fluid mm. reasoning because mm -hmm. it, 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 it shows willingness to work and it shows interest. Mm. So this is uh, very interesting and uh, I don't know if I am uh, reading you right, uh, but in my own mind, after a certain age, looking at demonstrated achievement seems to me a more sure way of identifying talent or gifts because I think it's very hard to measure all those things. We don't know what all goes into that. So looking at this, uh, the kind of performances you're able to demonstrate seems to me a safer thing because I'm not sure whether we can really break down everything. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think okay. I agree with you. I think we should emphasize achievement more mm. than mm. Um, any kind of IQ or whatever. It's okay. what you can do, what mm. you can demonstrate you can do. Mm. Um, I think with little kids, really little kids, it may be more fluid reasoning yeah. that's yeah. important yeah. because they haven't had exposure mm. to Hmm. that much math or that hmm. much reading or language arts. Hmm. 
So tell me a little kid who is, uh, scores high on fluid reasoning, let's say high on an IQ test, if this child does not get the kind of support he or she needs, uh, will the child still score high on an IQ test after three or four years or are the scores likely to come down? So um, the research shows that, um, that uh, scores on ability tests um, are affected by opportunity to learn. Okay. So okay. Um, they can decline. Okay. They can decline okay. if the okay. student doesn't get okay. the kind of learning opportunities. Okay. Yeah. So, so would you say that especially with uh, disadvantaged uh, groups, it would be important to do some kind of test of fluid reasoning early? Yes. Okay. I, I think it's important to test okay. fluid reasoning early. Okay. Yeah. yeah, because in India it's really important because uh, there's a lot of uh, kids who are in this disadvantaged segment and they get uh, very few opportunities. Yes. Thanks, that, that's very useful. Uh, so my last uh, question is a little broad. Uh, you have already addressed what parents should do to some extent. Um, but a couple of questions. One is, are there particular signs they should look for uh, at different age levels perhaps before they seek intervention? And if you can tell us a little bit more about uh, whom can they approach okay. in terms of uh, different roles, counselors? Uh, how can CTD help them? And there are, we know that there are parents in India who've been sending kids to whether it's CTD or CTY or Duke TIP. But, uh, and I know personally many of these parents, they are not uh, exactly clear always as to why they're sending the child, how they should choose the course. And uh, uh, sometimes uh, they think it helps in the admission process. Uh, which I'm not so sure is yeah. uh, really true. So what should be their considerations? How can uh, so CTD I think help with, them? Yeah. With little kids, um, so I th the thing about <clears throat> that parents should see their child in multiple contexts. Okay. Teachers only see the child in school. Uh. That's why parents, the research shows, are better identifiers of giftedness uh, okay. than teachers. Wow. Because if a child's not performing in school, okay. that doesn't mean they're not doing a lot outside of school. Mm. So, what parents can look for, um, first of all, parents, they don't have to go crazy providing all sorts of mm. opportunities. Mm. It should be, for little kids, a natural part of family activities, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Taking them to a concert, or mm. taking them to a museum, mm. or um, reading books with them, or mm. dancing with them, or whatever. Mm. Um, they don't have to like overschedule them into a lot of activities, um, but they should they should um, provide stimulation. And things to notice are kids who are, um, you know, very verbally adept, um, very curious, um, kids who notice, like uh, with mathematical ability, kids who kind of mathematize their world. So, you know, you take them in the room and they're counting the chairs or the tiles oh, on the ceiling okay. or the lights, okay. or they're, they're noticing patterns and mm, commenting mm, on mm, it. Mm, um, mm, kids who, um, you know, ask a lot of questions about the natural world. Okay. You know, why is it that plant green? Why, you know, why is mm -hmm. the flower closed? And then it, you know, oh, those, those kinds of mm. things parents should notice. And the, mm. the job of parents, I think, with little kids is just to provide the stimulation they're able to provide and the mm -hmm. opportunities mm -hmm. they're able to provide. Mm -hmm. And then to be good observers of what 
interest their child and fuel mm. the interest. The mm. interest may change. Mm. They may be crazy about dinosaurs, mm. and the mm. parent provides books and so on, mm. and then mm. the next mm. week it's trains, you know, <laughs> so, and that's fine. Just mm. fuel the interest. Mm. Um, mm. The parent's other role is to advocate at school mm. um, for appropriate opportunities. Um, if a parent's frustrated that a child's abilities are not being noticed, a good thing to do would be to to keep track of what they do at home. Hmm. Some, sometimes a parent, a, a child may not be producing in school, but the kid is writing plays and stories and illustrating hmm. them at hmm. home. Hmm. And hmm. parents have artifacts that they could hmm. share with the teacher hmm. to say, this is what my child can do that hmm. you may not be aware of, you okay. know? Okay. Um, because a lot of times the kids are doing all sorts of stuff at home um, and um, but teachers just don't see them in that environment, mm. you know. Mm. The other thing I would encourage parents to do is really let children play, engage in dramatic play, uh. because it's very, it develops their cognition. The symbolic play is really important, especially for little kids. And they can facilitate that by buying toys that are not just press this, press that, but things that you can pretend with. So, you know, uh. grocery store, pretend, uh. or, um, you know, um, blocks that you can build different things with. Parents can do that yeah. at home. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the play? Why is play and so important? The play important? is really important yeah. because it, it, um, it develops them in so many ways. It develops their symbolic thinking, which is ah, really important because okay. they, pre they, they, you know, okay. pretend with objects. Okay. It, um, it develops their interaction with other kids because oftentimes it's play with mm. other kids mm. and um, it develops their imagination. Oh. So all of these things. Um, so make sure as you're trying, as you're working with your child that you mm. just provide a setting where they mm. can engage in pretend play. Mm -hmm. um, I did this with my kids. I bought um, after Halloween, I would go and buy the costumes on sale so okay. they could pretend okay. they were, you know, all, okay. and, um, and um, I gave them um, household objects and mm -hmm. they could pretend with them, you know, like an old phone or whatever. Okay. Um, uh, so to help the, make sure they have time to do that. Make sure that you um, provide opportunities for them to do things like just drawing and painting. You know, mm -hmm. have an mm -hmm. area in your home if you can mm -hmm. where they can be messy and you won't freak mm -hmm. out because mm -hmm. they're getting paint all over the carpet. But you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. um, those kinds of things I think parents can do. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, watch what sticks. Okay. Um, what they're interested in, and make sure that you mm. could, you know, you can share that information. I mean, I know there, there are with teachers, there are parents. Um, they see their child reading books that are way above what you would expect for their mm. child's mm. age, mm -hmm. and feel reluctant to tell the teacher. Meanwhile, uh, the kid is bored as all get okay. out at school because okay. they're reading something that's very low level. Okay. For okay. Where they are okay. At. Okay. Um, and then as, as kids get older, a parent's job is to, to try to negotiate with the school for the things mm. that the student needs, mm. look for, for opportunities outside of school for the child to, mm. to mm. have um, experiences with other gifted kids or mm -hmm. in, in, you know, to, to, to study subjects that they don't get in school or mm. those mm. kinds of things. Mm. 
That's a great answer. I love your answer. The way you talked about the different things people can notice, and actually you sort of indicated four domains there, yeah. right? When you talked about the natural world, the uh, number thing, the verbal thing, that, that was uh, wonderful. Um, so the system, uh, what parents know, what schools provide, what educational administrators do, how they uh, incentivize the system and so on, uh, clearly still seems uh, a little distant from the ideal. Uh, even in the US where That's I right. think there has been three to five decades of uh, work and I think a lot more awareness than in many other countries. And in a country like India where uh, even resources are a, a big issue, uh, I think we are just taking you know baby steps in this. So what would can you try to visualize this ideal world where the every child gets his due, including the gifted uh, child? Uh, how would the school look? How would the uh, what would the educational administrator do? What would the teacher do? What would the parent do? I know it's a very ambitious question, but it would be great to hear your thoughts on that. So I think it would be if we could yeah. get rid of the grade age. <coughs> Um, grouping ah, okay. in okay. schools. Okay. I mean, that was really done to be expedient. It was not done mm -hmm. for any educational or okay. developmental reason because there's so much variation within mm. the same age group. Okay. So ideally it would be that kids could go to school and that the school's job was to figure out where they were at and, and then to make an individualized plan. Um, where the child would progress and it may be advanced work in some areas and not advanced work in other areas but also be cognizant of so I'm not suggesting that they should work alone mm -hmm. because it's really important for kids to be with other kids but to be grouping them based on where they're at rather than their age or their um, their grade level um, I think I think it's to move to what people call this more personalized education. So you're saying that where individual learning paths intersect, there you would group them. Right, okay. that's right, that's okay. right. Um, so even in my center, in the Center for Talent Development, um, we talk a lot about pathways. Okay. And um, throughout our programming, we try to build these pathways within subject areas. So. Um, if a child is studying um, technology and computers, you know, we start with, pro we, we start with programming classes and then um, make sure that there's a progression, that they have an opportunity to build those skills over time. Um, similarly in math and in language arts and, and, mm -hmm. and other subjects. And it could be that they're zooming ahead in one and just kind of at an average pace in another. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But that would be okay, mm -hmm. you know, that would be okay. And um, and the other thing I think I would do in a, if I was designing mm -hmm. a school is, mm -hmm. um, so I think I'd, I'll try to have teachers pay more attention to these important psychosocial skills like, um, you know, time management and being organized in your studying, but also being, being um, not afraid of challenging work and, and mm -hmm, so on. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that 
necessarily would be taught separately. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that they would cultivate within appropriate mm -hmm. programming. Mm -hmm. So if a kid is getting the opportunity to do challenging work, then hopefully what you're building are those skills to study and organize, right? Mm -hmm. And if a kid is getting opportunities to do independent projects mm -hmm. that are long-term, <coughs> so that they have to plan them out mm -hmm. and produce a product and then mm -hmm. present it, they're gaining so many skills, mm -hmm. such as you know um, managing their own learning, mm -hmm. um, being an independent learner. Mm. All these things are important because once you leave school, nobody forces you to learn anything and nobody is going to sit down and teach you everything you need to know. Yeah, you have yeah. to be able to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so mm. if we want a personalized learning, it's going to require that kids are learning a little bit more on their own, mm -hmm. but we have to help them to acquire the skills in order to do that. Okay. We can't assume that they mm. could just do it. Great. So I also have a question on the roles of two other groups of people. So one is, uh, so you have people teaching CTD programs. I remember seeing a chemistry of color mm -hmm. curriculum and someone teaching it. and. Uh, at Genwise, you know, we have uh, people who are deep into physics or sustainability or something. Um, and then there are administrators of school districts, mm -hmm. right? Bureaucrats. In India, there are these people. So, so do these people have a role? What role do experts have to play? Subject experts, domain experts. What role do educational administrators have to play in sort of... So I think um, subject matter experts are really critical. Um, for gifted kids particularly because um, we need them to be the teachers. You know, it's it would be great, like I had a friend who um, was a teacher at a high school and he got a PhD in physics and he could have gone the research career being an academic at a university but he wanted to teach. Well, he so enriches his classes because he has this amazing you know, knowledge mm. that most physics teachers don't yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it would be ideal if we could get people who are at that level of expertise mm. to be engaged in mm. teaching. Mm. The other thing that's important about the experts is that they can not only teach the knowledge, the mm. content, mm. Mm. but they can inculcate the values of the domain yeah, 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 because they can yeah. expose kids you yeah. know to a physis physicist mm. asking important questions yeah, yeah. you know asking um, and 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 coming up with ways to look at it and 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 how much time is spent on just formulating the question much less yeah, trying yeah. to to the answer. So give a window into the methods of the discipline. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I think about, um, I had this experience when I was in, um, in college where I took this history course and I had this great professor. And um, so one of the things he had us do is he had us read the journals ah. in history. I didn't even know there were journals in history. <laughs> this was, and so I went to the library and I mm. was reading these journals. So you you had to like read five mm. journal articles mm -hmm. on a particular subject. And mine, I was reading, some, I don't remember mm. specifically, mm. but something mm. on the Civil War. Mm. 
But what was so interesting was the methods of the mm. historians on how they gathered evidence by looking mm. at artifacts and kind of mm. triangulating to make sure that what they thought was there was really true. Okay. And um, I, but this experience, it got, gave me a sense of their methods. Okay. And um, so that happened for, okay. for me in college. Mm. And um, but how cool would it be if students yeah. in high yeah. school had an experience where they learned how historians yeah. come to the conclusions that they come to, how yeah. they do research. Yeah. research. Yeah. So um, that's where experts can help mm. kids. Mm. And that's mm -hmm. so so um, motivating to learn yeah. that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It would really turn on kids to, to going in that yeah. to going yeah. into yeah. that yeah. field. Yeah. So that's why I think experts can help. Now administrators, <coughs> I think um, you know, they have a lot of, they deal with a lot of nitty gritty stuff. I think that they need to see their, their role more as opening doors and, mm -hmm. you know, creating pathways mm. and supportive policies and um, less about, you know, control and, mm -hmm. and, um, control and command. And, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, yeah. um, and I'm no expert on this because I mm. don't know. I mean, mm. they have a tough job, mm. but um, yeah. Yeah. I think they need they need to have the freedom to be more innovative mm. and mm. to mm. to control their own environment. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. every school is different. Yeah. And so if they can know their school, know their population, know their community, and then be allowed to veer from be expected and maybe do what's best in their yeah, particular yeah. setting. I, yeah, I think what you're saying is that uh, perhaps they can lay down certain principles, like yes. uh, we must identify and take care of gifted children, but on practice they need to provide far more flexibility because practice cannot be mandated. Yes. It depends so much on context. That's right, that's right. So. Context matters so much in situation. That's right. Yeah. Thanks. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, I've learned so been much. This a wonderful conversation. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> yeah, we didn't uh, expect we would be discussing all this, right? I know. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, thank great. you. So thank you so much, Paula. Oh, yeah. it's my pleasure.